Today I'm going to pick up on, it's going to actually be part two of last Saturday night's message, but uh, we sent it to everybody by email, so you should have had a chance to, to look at it. Tonight we're going to build upon it. Since tonight is Bible study, we're going to do a lot of flipping back and forth uh, uh, through some scriptures, and um, also I'm going to be able to take some side journeys that I think are, are going to be be helpful, and I think they're important for us. Father, meet every need tonight. Open eyes, God. May we leave here enriched and strengthened with a clear vision of what you want for each of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. We all say? Amen. 2 Chronicles 32. 2 Chronicles 32, beginning with verse 27. Again, this is a study, right? Okay. Hezekiah had very great riches and honor. So Hezekiah was an example of a man who used his wealth for good. In fact, Hezekiah single-handedly revived tithing for his, his nation. Let's go back a chapter and take a look. Tonight's focus is not really about tithing, but I want to lay some groundwork before we get to our place of focus. Second Chronicles chapter 31 and verse 3. King Hezekiah also appointed, watch this, a portion of his what? Possessions. The one thing I want you to notice about the Lord, God only asked for a portion of our wealth. It's interesting we landed here today because I, I plan to start the year talking about finance, but what's going on in government arrest, it just, I didn't feel it was appropriate. Later on in the year, I want to do that. And what I want to do is just help you live successfully financially. And um, listen, my wife and I, we know how to live with and without. We, we understand um, what it's like to, to really struggle and how to get to, to the other side of it. Let's keep reading the scriptures. The king also appointed a portion of his what? Possessions. Now, people who do not know the Bible well say that percentage giving was only God's desire under the law. But here, here's what I know. This is important. You can make an excuse or you can make progress. I got two amens. If it's important to you, you will find a way. If not, you will find an excuse. <clears throat> Second Chronicles, let's go back, 32 and 27. I just want to make this point. We're going to move on. The king also appointed, watch this, a portion or a sample or a percentage, watch this, of his what? Possessions. Are you ready to grow? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2. Let's see what the New Testament says. On the first day of the what? Week. Now, this is Bible study, so we can dig into these points. We see here that the New Testament tells us when. When? Once a week, right? First day. Then we watch the New Testament tell us who? The first day of the week, let each one of you. So who's the who? Yeah, each one of you, everyone, no one's excluded. Say, Bishop, I didn't come here for this tonight. We're going to get to where we're going. It's going to be helpful. Lay something. So we saw when each week. We saw who? Everyone, no exception. Now we see what. It says everybody must do what? Something. So everyone must do what? So the what is something. So uh, again, we, we see when, we see who, we see what, 
And then we also see where? Say, lay something what? Aside. Or separate these resources from other assets in this one New Testament statement. It becomes indisputable the who, the what, the where, and the when of investing in God's kingdom. Still with me? One more time. On the first day of the week, now was there a question mark? Let each one of you, some of you, mm -mm, lay something, nothing, something what? Aside. We may not have everything, but everybody has something. Then it says, storing up as he may what? Prosper. The NIV says, and it's a little clearer in the NIV, in keeping with your income, meaning no matter where you fall on the wealth continuum, set aside a set percentage when on the first day of the week, who, each and every one of you, something, I don't know the portion, we're not talking about uh, the portion today, we do know the portion, but whatever your portion is, where do we do it? We set it aside to honor God, watch this, that there will be no collections when I what? Come. Paul understood that if the people were systematic and strategic in their investing and coming alongside God's work, they would be successful in whatever God had them put their hands to. And he said, when I come, I didn't want to mess with this thing. Y'all need a system. You need to systematically begin to do this thing so that when I come back, I get right into the heavy stuff and not mess with, with, with the financial stuff. Now, Tonight, I'm not speaking about the unique power of the tithe. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I wanted you to see in these verses in, is that there's, there's blessing or there's grace that comes through systematic and strategic giving at any level. Now, we talk about the tithe often, but here, the tithe is not laid out specifically. We see that there's a blessing on us being systematic and strategic. Now, what we do is we get emotional. That's our problem. Imagine if the electric company ran on our emotion. When I really feel like I want to pay the company, I will pay the company. Do you hear what I'm saying? How could the company operate? Likewise, with the kingdom of God, the farmer doesn't say, I really feel like the ground needs seed today. No, the, the, the farmer recognizes that he has a whole year in front of him. And that what he has to do is take some of that corn that he was going to eat, put it aside, let it dry up, stick it in the ground, and then give it time, water it and tend it, and over time, it's going to produce a crop. But it wasn't based on a feeling, it was based on a decision. And what's interesting about farmers is they do it systematically, often at the same time, every year. It's a system, and it's how we get it done. Now, if every now and then I planted some corn, and then, you know, I missed this year, but then I did it the next year, how many know the harvest is going to be spotty? How many of us dealing with spotty harvest? Here's what I want to say to you tonight before we move on. If your faith is not up to 10%, at least follow the clear, I mean, these, you don't even need revelation to understand what was written here. Start at 5%, start at 3%, and work your way up till you get to where God wants you. Are you still with me? Amen. All right, back to 2 Chronicles 31 and 3. King Hezekiah also appointed a portion of his possessions 
we just kind of read these facts as a narrative, not understanding that it's setting something up. And that's why I had to say the things I've said up to this point. Uh, he put aside a portion of his possessions for the burnt offerings, for the morning and evening burnt offerings, the burnt offerings for the Sabbath, and the new moons and set feasts, as it is written in the law of the who? The Lord. So what happened here is Hezekiah was the first king in a very long time to do basically what the prophets had told the people to do a long time ago. And when he obeyed, amazing things happened. It's amazing what will happen. We stop trying to improvise and just work the plan that God's already laid out. Now let's get back to our focus. Second Chronicles 32 and 27. Hezekiah had very great riches and honor. And what had happened is when the king and the people began to prioritize investing in God's work, the economy took off. And it goes on to say he had to make treasuries for silver, for gold, for precious stones, for spices, for shields, and for all kinds of desirable items. God blessed them and responded so powerfully um, that they had to create new spaces to store all the wealth. So meaning there wasn't enough FDIC in one bank, so they had to go to another bank account to, to find a little more uh, FDIC to make sure all this stuff was covered. All of this happened because of the revival that this king that we're about to learn about started. Storehouses for the harvest of grain. Now, this was a nation that was struggling, and, and God had been dealing with them. When this man got them operating the way they should, all of a sudden the heavens opened up, and there's wine and there's oil and stalls for all, all kinds of livestock and, and folds for the flocks, and it keeps going. Moreover, he provided cities for himself, so it impacted cities, and, and now the land is flourishing, and just wonderful things are happening, and possessions of flocks and herds are in abundance. Watch this, for God had given him very much what? Property. You just can't, can't beat God given. And, and, and here, amen, this, okay. The result of the people trusting God was supernatural and, 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 and remarkable, over-the-top overflow. Verse 30, this same Hezekiah, who God had blessed financially, also stopped the water outlet of Upper Gihon. So on top of the financial prosperity, God gave Hezekiah wisdom to construct an engineering marvel of, of the ancient world. Uh, his men pickaxed through over 2,000 uh, feet of, of hard marble, and they tapped into the Gihon Spring, which is underneath Jerusalem. And, and what they did is they took the water from that spring so that if an army that would come against them, they were afraid or concerned that the, the Babylonians or the Assyrians uh, might attack them. Actually, the Assyrians would attack them. The problem was, if the Assyrians came to attack, outside the city gates of Jerusalem, there was this great big vast water supply. So the army could stay for a very long time. So what he did is diverted the water, and instead of the water flowing out of the city, he diverted the water so that it sprang up into the, the uh, uh, Pool of Siloam, in the city. So it, it, was a, it was an incredible thing. It was a marvel. Even today, people look at how did these people with just pickaxes uh, accomplish this. But here's the deal. When we put God first, he'll give us wisdom in every, every other relevant area. So the nation's putting God first. So now God's coming up with witty inventions. God's giving them uh, special ways to protect themselves, etc. A lot of wonderful, wonderful things are going, going on. He said he brought the water by the tunnel to the west side of the city of David. 
Watch this. Hezekiah prospered in all his works. And this is what I wanted to get to tonight. God blessed everything he touched. But the problem is what we focused on on Saturday night. Most people can handle adversity, but very few people can handle success. And a lot of us say, Lord, make me successful. And God's like, listen, you don't know what you're asking. And, and I, matter of fact, let's stay in the book so I don't get ahead of myself. Now, he talks about, again, he prospered in all his works. Good. Everything so far, good. I mean, the, the city's prospering. You got enemies now having a harder time attacking Jerusalem. But then he injects a however, which is another way of saying but. It was all good with Hezekiah, but then God healed him. And we talked about it on Sunday. God blessed him. And then God had to eject and however, meaning everything was good, but at some point it became more important for him to be recognized by his peers than for him to give glory to God. Now, we, we, let me see how I can say this better. You see, I, I watch people. That's what I do. Um, you know, I pass to people, listen to people, but I, I, I watch people. Matter of fact, if, if, if I could, I could sit down in the mall and just stare at people and just watch them because, you know, people's my job and I just pay attention. And it's amazing. You can give someone just a little bit of looks, just a little bit of anointing, just, just a little bit of power, just, just a little bit of money, just, just a little bit of youth, just, just a, a little bit of strength. And it's amazing how they could begin to think that they are the cat's meow. <laughs> and one of the greatest tests you're going to have in life is when you finally get everything you've been believing for. And many of us say, Lord, why haven't you given to me what I know you have for me? Because I'm a little bit ahead of myself, but a blessing before you're ready is really a curse. You see, sometimes if God gave you everything you want, you wouldn't want him anymore. So God in his wisdom, sometimes to protect us from ourselves, has to kind of keep us in a rough spot, lest we fall into the trap of Hezekiah. Because as we studied on Saturday, when Hezekiah became incredibly blessed, the Babylonians came and like, wow, Hezekiah, God healed you. And his son went back 10 steps. You, wow, you're a great king. And they came to celebrate him. And he was like, yeah. And then he showed him all the treasure. He said, you're right. Let me, let me show you how great I am. Instead of explaining to them, saying, hey, hey, listen, it was, it was God's goodness that healed me. Let me point you to the God that helped me. Instead, he just said, let me show you my treasure. Let me show you what I amassed. Let me show you what I did. And the thing is, we all think we're more spiritual than we are. We all think we're more humble than we are. We're more kind than we are. We're, we're more gentle. We wouldn't do what others do. But again, I'm ahead of myself, but all of us have a little crazy in us. And unless the Lord sometimes pulls back, unless the Lord sometimes delays 
what we think should have been like that, we would find ourselves in the mess. You hear me say this often in pulpits, from, from, you know, on, on the weekends from the pulpit. You know, uh, people believe in God. Yeah, bless me financially. And then all of a sudden they can't come to church because they got to work. Lord, I believe in you for that boat. And then they're so busy on trips in their boat, they can't serve in church. And it's amazing how this is what we do. So sometimes in his wisdom, God's like, listen, I love you too much to give you all that. I've watched people believe in God for a mate. Dear God, help me. God, how come am I ugly? I, you don't love me. And how, what, well, God, help me. I'm so insecure. Lord, feel me. And then God sends him a man. And that man becomes their God. They're no longer in church. Well, it's about their relationship. Oh, we don't have time because we know we need to da 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 I watched this for 30 years. This is what we do if God gives us things we're not ready for. So Hezekiah was incredibly blessed. Everyone's like, man, I want the wealth of Hezekiah. I wish that everything I touched turned to gold and our cities were streaming. But you know what? The prosperity of America right now is one of our greatest issues. We don't even need God. We can go to the doctor. Wow. We, don't, we don't even shake our fist at God as much as we shake our fist now at the government. Help us. Because the government's almost taking the place of God. I mean, we don't really need God in the real, we don't really have to pray. I mean, not in some situations, but you know what? Lord, get me from point A to point B, because we got money in our pocket. We get on the bus, or we get in the car, or we have our, our, our gas tanks full. So we don't need God in the same way. And for that reason, we find ourselves often further away than we should be. People go to you know, distant nations, and Americans will feel sorry for people. Like, wow, y'all don't have this, you don't have that. But it's amazing, when I go, I notice they have their family. I notice the kids still respect them. I notice that the kids visit. I notice that they love each other. I notice they're in church. I notice that there's a community. I notice that they know their neighbors. We say, oh, God, how could they be so poor? Like I said on, on Saturday, um, never be so poor that all you have is money. However, it's like, man, he had all this stuff Hezekiah did. And some of us, you don't even realize it because you don't have maybe what some person down the street has. You don't think you're in a position of Hezekiah but we don't realize it. Listen, there, there are parts of the world that, matter of fact, I, I, forgive me, I should have looked at the numbers before I came, but I would say probably about three-fourths of the globe's population doesn't have meat more than once a month. We're struggling. Dear God, where am I, you know, <laughs> stomach all you know, messed up because, you know, we, we're dealing with this, this fruit and all the rest. They don't have that option. And vegetables, no, they don't even have vegetables. You hear what I'm saying? And, and people are surviving off of $3, you know, a week. And, and we say in America, it's, it's amazing. I listen to people. We got to get them rich. I'm like, do you know who the rich are? 
It's not them, it's you. Our middle class, compared to even kings going back 100 years, I mean, we have dishwashers, central heat, central air. They had a fanner. You hear what I'm saying? They, 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 we, we have incredible stuff. I mean, we could turn on a stove. They had to light a fire. We have all these different things that we have. Even sometimes in some of our poorer situations, we have streets. I've been to places, no streets. You could buy a $100,000 car, but you ain't going to be able to drive it nowhere because those bumps in the road are going to tear everything up. We have streets. We have sewers. I watched the sewer, sewage run down the street. Matter of fact, I went into a village, and everywhere you step, it wasn't dog stuff. It was human all over the place. And what was making the people sick was part of the fact that they didn't have shoes on the feet. So, I mean, I mean, for us, it's like, oh, man, I got my shoes aren't as nice as hers. But you have a pair of shoes. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, I mean, you just got to think about these things. So when we start talking about the rich, you got to remember that to most of the world, you're the rich. If you're going to get an attitude about the one or two percent, recognize that you are the one or two percent of the earth. You hear what I'm saying? Just be mindful as we start throwing out accusations and start hating on groups of people. There go, I say, for the what? Grace of God. However, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, by the way, how many of you heard Saturday's message? Okay, about half. So some of you may not understand what I'm saying, but hopefully you'll be able to catch on. Uh, regarding the ambassadors of the prince of Babylon, whom they sent to him to inquire about the wonder, see, they... The Babylonians inquired about the miracle that was done. He was supposed to die. The prophet said he was dying, and it was real obvious he was dying. But God said he'd give him 15 more years of his life. And, and again, the sun uh, went back 10 degrees, and it was a whole thing. Everyone heard about it. So his healing captured the world's attention. And we say, Lord, use me to capture the world's attention. Do a miracle so big in my life that people will come, and they, they can't even dispute. It had to be God. But if you're not ready, Hezekiah had all this. He had blessing. He had miracles. But any blessing that comes before we're ready is really a curse. God could snap his finger and all of our needs could go away in an instant. The question is, could we handle it? Or would we be like Hezekiah and make it all about ourselves? Again, I watch people just a little bit. It's got a little bit of popularity, and they're better than everybody else. They can just run a little bit, you know, a, a few seconds faster on the 100 than everybody else, and I, I am a superstar. I'm, I'm on a whole different level. All you are is just a little bit faster. You're just a little bit smart. I mean, everyone else might be at, you know, 125. I don't know what the average is, and you at 132, but you are, gosh. I mean, people got to open the door for you when you walk in because you are that bright. Everybody needs your advice, and it's amazing what we do with just a little bit that we have. Imagine if he gave us all that. And this is, too, why I, I'm, I'm a little careful about being critical of those that are beautiful and power and, and all the rest. Even, even ministers that are doing crazy things, I'm like, you know what? Um, I, terrible. I could judge the act. What they did was wrong, and I could say that was wrong. But, you know, if I came from where they came from, might I be tripping too? And we have to learn to put ourselves in each other's shoes and recognize that, you know, we're all just a little bit crazy. And, 
It's just that our craziness, God is not exposed to the world yet. You understand? That's too why you want to be careful about God putting you on platforms because the higher you are, the more people can see. And things that you used to be able to do in private, now you, every, everything's in public. Everybody knows about it. So you, you, want to, you want to have enough time, you know, to develop in secrecy. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.